Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. And welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. That would be me. And over there, we have producer Annabelle Lane. Hey, over here. Hey, over there. Coming up on today's show, our take on the Brooke Blurden and Abby Chatfield story that spilled out onto social media this week. Chanel is blasted for its shitty $1,100 advent calendar. Tristan Thompson proves yet again he's literally the worst. Gwyneth Paltrow doesn't remember anything. And then a leaked magazine spread proves to be a colossal headache for Kylie Jenner and Travis Scott. A lot to cover, my friends. But first, Zara, how was your week? Has enough time passed for us to now be allowed to talk about Formula One again on this show? (laughs) I I feel like we haven't spoken about Formula One in a long time. We need to give backstory. If you're new to the podcast, welcome to Shameless. We're so glad to have you. What you have missed is that this year, Zara and I went on a journey and that journey was watching Drive to Survive on Netflix. It really took us to the end of the earth, to be honest. (laughs) And becoming oddly obsessed with Formula One. Yes. So for those who follow Formula One, they will know that this weekend we've got what we're going to call, I'll do it all in layman's terms, we've got the finale. The the grand final. Yeah, we've got the grand final, the finale. We've got a final race, two of the top races drivers, whatever we want to call them, whatever makes you feel comfortable, (laughs) are on the same amount of points, which never happens. It never happens because for the last, like, decade, there has been one driver at the top of the tree. His name will be familiar to you, even if you don't like F1. His name's Lewis Hamilton. Now, Annabelle, over the last two years, another rising star has emerged. His name is Max Verstappen. I am a huge Max Verstappen fan. Zara hates Max Verstappen. She loves Lewis Hamilton. I need Lewis Hamilton to win. I need him to. For like the 11th year in a row. Fuck Lewis Hamilton. Get on the new boy. No, no, no. The people need to know that Max Verstappen is a bit whiny. 
That's Ooh, okay. okay. He's a bit whiny. He's not a great loser and he's not loved by the rest of the Formula One community. Lewis Hamilton has grit. He has charisma. He used to date a pussycat doll in Nicole Scherzinger just to make this. anything? Because it's a pop culture podcast. I've really <laughs> got to bring it home to our roots. Well, if anyone wants a little bit of edge with Max Verstappen, he's dating someone who had a baby with another Formula One star. Ooh. So there's drama, there's intrigue, there's a lot going on. So the finals this weekend, it's at 12am on Monday, Yuck. which is just disgusting timings. But obviously, Michelle and I will be live on Shameless Podcast <laughs> if anyone wants to watch with us. We're literally going to wake up and we are going to watch the race. And you better believe we will be going live and we will be decked out in whatever merch we can get our hands on. <laughs> this is like our Super Bowl. 2021, I did not see this coming, us becoming like massive F1 fans. I didn't see it coming either. And I have to say, if anyone is awake, either if you are overseas or if you're a Formula One fan or simply an insomniac, please come. We'll keep you company. We'll keep you company. We'll be awake with you. So <laughs> I think that is, that wasn't even my last week. That's my next week. We're not going to live stream the whole race though, no. right? We'll just come and say hello. We'll live stream the juicy bit just Ooh. at the end. Exactly. I do have a recommendation this week and it is not the Formula One. It is one of the best celebrity profiles I've ever read in my whole life. Ooh. I saw it all over Twitter this week. In fact, I was really pulled in whatever you call it. Roped in? Yeah, I was really roped in. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> because the journal who wrote this piece tweeted the night before it came out saying, I've got a piece coming out tomorrow that I worked on for six months and the subject is the most intense person I've ever met in my whole life. Wow. So I was like, follow. I can't wait to see who this is all about. Like, <laughs> so excited. You were sufficiently clickbaited. Exactly. And it turned out it was about the actor Jeremy Strong, who plays Kendall in Succession, my favourite show of all time. So I was like all over it. Now, I appreciate that this may sound niche, a succession actor's profile, but Mish, you have already read some snippets of it. Justine in our office has also read the whole thing and she doesn't watch Succession. It is just a remarkably put together piece of journalism. Yeah, if the TV show Succession makes you feel dead behind the eyes like it does me, <laughs> don't let that deter you. This is still a really compelling piece of writing and a very interesting person. Uh, fascinating person if I'm honest like there are so few people I've read a profile like this about it's not even it's not a mean profile by any stretch he just comes across like the most intense person you've ever met in your life so Mm. definitely go and read that if you don't want to read it what you can also do is you can listen to it so if you want to go for a walk and do that you can do that too yeah I love that they've included that now yeah how good do you have a recommendation I do it is called the fallen angel podcast now it's out of c13 studios in the u.s I'd never heard of c13 or listen to a production from them. It's basically tracking the history of Victoria's Secret and exposing its threads to Jeffrey Epstein, that disgraced, dead now billionaire who, yeah, and convicted pedophile and sex offender. It is a super interesting listen. I think I'm about five episodes in and I had no idea that Jeffrey Epstein had anything to do with Victoria's Secret, let alone a very intriguing and suspicious relationship with its founder. Not Ed Razik. No, Les Wexner. So Ed Razik was kind of like the CMO. Leslie Wexner is an American billionaire businessman 
and the founder of L Brands, then, of course, the head of Victoria's Secret. And it is an interesting story. I don't mind that recommendation from you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, like a little pat on the head. <laughs> like a little pat on the head. Like a really patronising pat on the Good head. Good dog. Yeah. Not bad, underling. <laughs> Let's get into the first segment of the show. We've got a meaty segment ahead, so please strap yourselves in. We are obviously starting with the Abby and Brooke story that was everywhere. Over the last week or so, we've had a little bit of time to sit with it now because mm. this all kind of broke out last Thursday, I'd say, Mish, when our episodes usually drop. Yeah, so our episode was out at 5am and a lot of this went down later that day and the day after. Context for those listening internationally or those who perhaps don't follow the influencer and reality TV circles. Abby Chatfield and Brooke Blurden are two of Australia's biggest reality TV stars and now biggest influencers. They both became famous on the same franchise. They're both Bachelor alums. They've gone on to amass followings of more than 300,000 followers each as well as really glittering TV careers. Yeah, Brooke was this year's bachelorette, as we've spoken about on the show before. Abby was the host of rival network Channel 9's Love Island After Party. And based on their own social media posts and quotes given in the past, they consider themselves friends until a few weeks ago. A quick disclaimer as well, we've actually had both Brooke and Abby on the show before. We've met them a couple of times in professional settings. Mm. We don't know them particularly well in social settings, Mish, but we do think both women are intelligent and very good at what they do. Yeah, they're both great. So what happened? Well, cracks seem to emerge in their friendship when Abby Chatfield and Conrad Bien Stevens spoiled one of the major storylines in Brooke Blurden's season of The Bachelorette about a month ago. So as The Bachelorette Australia was airing and as Conrad, one of the contestants, emerged as a fan favourite and the second most likely, according to Sportsbet, to take out Brooke's heart, Abby was photographed and filmed kissing him at a Byron Bay pub. Now, that wasn't world shattering, but in TV land, that is not ideal for a show and a production that hinges a lot of its success on building suspense as to who wins. Yeah, exactly. And reportedly, Brooke wasn't particularly happy about their recklessness in spoiling that element of the show. But after that, things seemed to come down a little bit, only as the next couple of weeks passed... Abby kind of started soft launching a new relationship on social media. Now, you guys might remember we did a bit of investigate or what we called investigation work <laughs> on this show. She told the world he was a Gemini and people started trying to put two and two together. That naturally sent people mad with excitement, Mish, didn't it? Yeah, it did because we were given little tiny bits of information and after seeing this kissing video of Abby and Conrad, people didn't just start asking who is Abby's new partner. They started asking is it Conrad? Like it was pretty clear based on everything we were being fed, particularly when we found out Conrad was a Gemini, that these two were dating and they wanted people to talk about it, which I mean, you could say is part of a job as an influencer to have people talking about you. But it did send people mad with excitement and it was really titillating to be breadcrumbed this relationship over a series of a few weeks. 
we covered that on Shameless. We titled one of our episodes, He's a Gemini or something, <laughs> because it was so much hype. Like this was one of the biggest pop culture stories in Australia, as sugary and silly as it was. It also was about three weeks before Brooke's Bachelorette finale. Yeah, and then just one day before Brooke's Bachelorette finale, Abby posted on Instagram confirming that, yes, Conrad is the person that she is in a relationship with. Now, that post went insanely well. It racked up more than 100,000 likes, more than 4,600 comments. And I guess so intense and frenzied was the hype around this announcement of the relationship the day before the finale that it began to eclipse Brooke's hype around her finale. Yeah. And look, to be transparent, when Abby put up that post confirming that she's with Conrad, we were all excited. So many people in Australia in particular were really excited because they're both really loved people here. They both have huge personalities and it was exciting to see two people fall in love that we're all familiar with. We commented on the post as soon as it went up, but I think as the hours passed and as the dust settled a little bit, we noticed a few things. The first was Brooke didn't comment. There wasn't really any interaction between Brooke and Abby on that post. We started feeling like maybe something was a little bit off, even if we couldn't put our finger on it. And then, to be honest, when I sat down and watched The Bachelorette on Wednesday night and I learned that Abby was going to be on the finale episode as Brooke's confidant and her kind of rock as a friend, the one she was going to, to get opinions on David and Jamie Lee, the finalists, something felt all of a sudden like maybe there was some frostiness there or some tension there between these women because all of a sudden even though they were publicly showing their friendship on primetime television, there was no interaction between the two of them on social media anymore. Yeah, I think it was one of those things where after a couple of hours and the dust settled, there was a funny feeling in the air, particularly when we learned Brooke had unfollowed Abby. So going into the planning mish of our last two Thursday episodes, mm. we decided not to cover Abby confirming her relationship with Conrad and the supposed quote-unquote feud between them. Because Brooke hadn't commented, our guts were just off, so we left it. Yeah, to use a potentially clunky analogy, we felt like we were really on the Abby and Conrad train until we had taken stock and paused and had a minute and realised Brooke wasn't on that train with everyone else. In fact, Brooke was probably a little bit upset about the Abby and Conrad train. So generally, we left it. We left it the last two weeks. We felt like we really wanted to hear Brooke's voice in all of this. And when we did hear that voice for the very first time late last week, we decided now is the time to talk about it. Yeah, and I guess last week, the more important story for us to tell, we felt anyway, was talking about the biphobia that permeated Twitter in the wake of the finale. Anyway, a week after the finale aired, as you say, Mish, Brooke did add her voice to this story. Yeah, so she took to her Instagram stories and did a few things. She thanked people for the love and the support that they were showing her and David. She said she was taking some time off social media to take a breather, that she's still in the midst of grief after losing her sister soon after filming Wrapped. And then she went on to say that she was, and I quote, personally and mentally disrupted by all the crap that came with Finale Week. This is a direct quote from her statement. I'm not a hostile person and literally do not have any hate in my heart. Everyone who watched the show or was on the show and or working as crew will know that I put my heart and soul into it and it meant a lot for me to open myself up so vulnerably like that. Not only that, but what it meant for LGBTQIA plus and First Nations community 
community to have that display of representation. She went on by saying, for that to be tainted once again by one, someone I thought was a close friend, and two, another white woman displaying what white privilege looks like, and three, a very clear display of narcissism hurts me, literally pains me. Brooke also went on to say that she'd reached out to resolve the conflict and, I quote, communicate openly about the layers of complexity that this person's actions show and take away from not only me but what it meant for a queer woman of colour. Abby responded the same day, Mish, on Instagram with a statement of her own. She opened up with the following... When I uploaded a post confirming the numerous rumours, it was not with malice. The morning of, I mistook a message from Brooke expressing her happiness for and approval of our relationship as a green light to upload a post. Following the post, Conrad received an equally supportive message. I see with hindsight that this assumption was naive. Yeah, she went on, I now understand the timing of publicly sharing our relationship should have been more considered and that is my fault. I acknowledge that impact outweighs intent. I didn't take into account the Australian media landscape and the inherent privilege that I hold as a white woman. My actions had the potential to undermine the importance that this pivotal season of The Bachelorette holds to First Nations and LGBTQIA plus communities. This is an extremely important conversation to be having. In future, this will be at the forefront of my mind and I will continue to listen to and amplify minority communities and endeavour to learn. I'm sorry. Now that both women have addressed this, I really want to peel back the many, many layers that we have going on here. Let's start with the most important layer. Yeah, I think the most important layer here is the one that kind of centres on the fact that finale week is the biggest week for The Bachelor and The Bachelorette franchise. The show books so much media and so much PR and advertising space to make it so. It is the week that the show is meant to dominate the entertainment news cycle and that takes on brand new meaning when the bachelorette we have is a woman of colour and a queer woman of colour at that. Like that was such a big first for Australian television and this was her stage and her moment and her week and for Abby to not recognise that was absolutely a symptom of white privilege. Like having a stage and having a moment is monumental when the person at the centre of it all is someone that the Australian media actively and systemically excludes. Yeah, well think about all the other bachelorettes that we have held up on mainstream television, on any dating show actually, as desirable. How often is that a black woman, an Indigenous woman or a queer woman? It's hardly ever. This was the first time we had seen it. So it would have been nice for Brooke to be able to have her time in the sun. I also want to talk though about other layers going on because that is absolutely the most important layer and we have to say that first because that is so valid and Brooke had every right to bring that up. There are also other layers here I think as well. I mean, We are in the media. These two women are in both the media and the entertainment industry. And I think given this is a job that they have both chosen for their careers, they have a single and crucial KPI that comes with that career choice. In the entertainment industry or in the media, you are almost entirely measured by your ability to hold an audience's attention and to increase on that audience size as you go. That is an awkward thing to acknowledge. I know some people listening to this will be like, well, that's a bit uncomfortable and I don't really like that and that sounds attention-seeking. That's the job. That's literally what you have to do if you want to be in the media industry at large. Now, 
this is where I find it really interesting because Brooke and Abby are both super, super savvy. That is why they've been amongst the top tier of people, influencers, media personalities, what have you, to come out of the Bachelor franchise. They both know there's unspoken rules in this industry. And I would say one of the main rules is that you let your industry friends have their time in the sun. Abby, on some level, whether that was conscious or subconscious, probably would have known that launching this news, telling the world she was with Conrad, one of the favourite Bachelorette contestants, would have gotten the most eyeballs, the most attention, the most hype, the most headlines the day before Brooke's finale. Yes, it would have gotten a lot of attention the week after, but not as much. Conrad was about to become more and more, I don't know, obscure to the public. He wasn't on the show anymore. He'd been off for a week. The time to tell the world about it and the time to get the most attention on that would be the day before Brooke's finale. Annabelle, curious, what do you think about the whole thing? I mean, we've had seven days to sit with it now. Mm -hmm. How do you feel? Well, my gut initially when I first saw Abby hard launch her relationship with Conrad the day before the finale, my gut was off. I felt that it felt just as a friend, like the wrong move. Mm -hmm. And then when Brooke came out with her statement, it all made sense to me and it kind of like articulated what the uncomfort was in my gut. Yeah. So it's almost like something felt wrong, but you didn't know exactly what was wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. I, I think what we can all agree here now is like, it's like comes down to that fundamental value that you hold in friendship. Again, whether it's an industry friendship or another friendship is like you let people have their time, don't you? Like mm. you let people have their moment. As Clementine Ford said in her really brilliant analysis about this on Instagram, Abby is really savvy and clever. We know that. It's why she's built such an incredible career of her own. And she, as you said, Miss, she would have known in some level that the headline about Conrad while the season was running was really valuable. It was valuable to the public. That's when their currency, quote unquote, was going to be the highest. So maybe there's a really valuable lesson for so many of us in this story and a really great lesson for white people in general, that when someone in your life gets an opportunity to stand in the spotlight, an opportunity they may not have had as much as you, step back and let them shine. Coming up after the break, Chanel is blasted for its shitty $1,100 advent calendar. Tristan Thompson proves he is literally the worst yet again. And a leaked magazine spread proves to be a colossal headache for Kylie Jenner and Travis Scott. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle, Michelle Lewis Hamilton Andrews. Oh, it's Max Verstappen. <laughs> what have you got for me? Oh, I'm sad now. My <laughs> first story, Chanel appears to delete TikTok after an influencer exposed its shitty $1,100 advent calendar. That is from Pedestrian. <laughs> this is such a weird story. So in case you missed it, Chanel released a limited edition I guess, gifting season calendar? Is that what we call it? It was produced to celebrate the 100-year anniversary of the Chanel No. 5 fragrance. Now, TikTok user Elise Harmon did a kind of unboxing on her channel and did not hold back when she realised what was inside. (laughs) The whole box, for context, is worth about 800 US dollars, which is about 1100 Australian dollars. Yeah, and clearly she had spent so much money on this. The whole premise of the TikTok video was, let's open this up and see if my money was well spent. Spoiler alert, her money was not well spent. The first little advent calendar box that Elise opened 
was full of Chanel stickers. <laughs> oh, yay, score. <laughs> she also opened like perfume sample sachets, a really ugly keychain. There were a couple of lipsticks and nail polishes in the kit or the advent calendar, but a lot of them were sample size. Just a whole general conundrum of where am I hard-earned pennies going. Yeah, it was really confusing because like some of it was like tiny mirrors that it's like I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure what you're getting use out of here. There was also like a mini plastic snow globe. <laughs> the best one was when she pulled out a Chanel dust bag. It was literally what? just a dust bag used for, I don't know, dust. accessories. But there was like literally it wasn't big enough to fit much. And again, more <laughs> stickers. There were more than there was more than one box of stickers. Now I did a bit of maths here. I crunched some numbers, right? If you are spending $1,100 on an advent calendar and there were 27 boxes, you would hope just to make your money back that every single box was worth over $42. Now, that's not heaps, but we've got stickers in here. (laughs) It would have been like $3 to produce. A lot of this advent calendar doesn't make a heap of sense because even when you just said 27 boxes, I'm like doing the maths in my head. They started on day five for Chanel number five, but then did 27 boxes after that. So Odd maths it going on. It takes me well into January. <laughs> yeah. Normally advent calendars are 1 to 24, right? So if anyone's thinking what the fuck Zara 27, that is legit. There are 27 boxes. Don't ask us why. My favourite thing is that when Elise started posting videos of her doing these unboxings, they went bananas. Like these videos have accrued millions upon millions and millions of views. So much so that the official Chanel TikTok account blocked her. (laughs) So they wouldn't engage with any of the like ferocious comments that were coming their way. But why did they need to block her? Like no one on the Chanel account needed to go on TikTok for a little bit to even look at it. (laughs) Now, there were reports that Chanel had deleted their TikTok account in the wake of all of this. I think that's a little bit of an embellishment. Chanel apparently has never actually posted anything on TikTok. They've just been reserving the username for future posts and then they put their whole profile on private. (laughs) Whatever has happened, good luck to them trying to jump on the app in future. They're either going to have to really take the piss out of themselves or... No, that's really all they can do. <laughs> but literally, like, if there's any app that is hostile to the enemy, it's TikTok. Like, you can't thrive once the people are against you. So they're never going to be on TikTok now. Do you reckon? No, they'll eventually make it on TikTok. But I feel like the high end taking themselves too seriously just will not work. No, my second story, exclusive. Personal trainer, Marilee Nichols, 31, gives birth to NBA star Tristan Thompson's baby after she became pregnant with his child and he insisted she get an abortion while he was still dating Khloe Kardashian. That is from the Daily Mail. And before we give any details, I need to say, what the fuck is wrong with this man? What is wrong with him? I I actually don't even know what to say anymore. Like, I'm so beyond words. What a scoundrel. (laughs) He's like a love rat on steroids. He's a love rat and I'm annoyed. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? How many times do we have to go through I'm tired. I'm tired. How the fuck does Khloe Kardashian feel? I don't know. Now, in case you missed it and you have no idea what we're talking about or where the outrage is coming, hold on to your hoses. <laughs> That's what it is. So, <laughs> or if you Tristan Thompson, his... hold on to your penis. <laughs> no, I was going to say, uh, it would have worked better if you're a bit more subtle about it. Or if you're Tristan Thompson, hold on to your own. Now, in case you missed it, back to the stat. Daily Mail revealed on Friday that the NBA star and partner of Khloe Kardashian 
was set to become a father for the third time following an alleged fling or affair with a 31-year-old personal trainer by the name of Marilee Nichols. Now, court filings obtained by many, many, many news outlets allege that Thompson insisted that the personal trainer get an abortion and apparently, allegedly, he offered her $75,000 in hush money after she fell pregnant while he was reportedly still dating Khloe Kardashian. Now, he's disgusting. Obviously, I believe that to be true. But I'm surprised by the math in Tristan Thompson's head as a very rich person connected to a very rich family. $75,000 in hush money for a baby? <laughs> Put an extra three zeros in it. Genu- genuinely, like I'm sure he has spent more money on the dozen cars that he probably has in his collection. He doesn't think that this is worth a little more <laughs> cash to keep it quiet? Worth 70 advent calendars. Yes. <laughs> That's all it is. Literally. It is 70 Chanel, Chanel stickers. stickers. <laughs> According to the documents, the court documents, the baby was conceived in Texas during Tristan Thompson's 30th birthday celebrations in March when he was dating Chloe with whom he shares a three-year-old daughter. Now, Marilee Nichols also wants to submit text messages as evidence, which she says prove that he wanted to terminate the pregnancy. She says the affair began at least five months before his 30th birthday celebrations and continued after she got pregnant. How? Why would he do that? I don't know. A few things here, though. Tristan's statement in all these court filings refer to Chloe as his ex now, so clearly they've broken up in the wake of this story. But I think what's hardest to stomach is that they were together over his 30th birthday. She posted about him on March 14 for his birthday saying the following, the ones that are meant to be are the ones who go through everything that is designed to tear them apart and they come out even stronger than they were before. Thank you for showing me everything you said you would. For the father you are, for the best friend I have in you, I'm thankful that I can do absolutely nothing with you and it feels like everything. I hope you know today and every day how loved you are by me and so many. Happy birthday, TT. Welcome to 30. I can't wait for all the memories. This is when life just starts getting good. That last line, this is when life just starts getting good, is like a dagger to the heart because it's like, no, this is when life takes another turn for the worst. And she was posting that and writing that within days, maybe within hours of Tristan Thompson getting another woman pregnant. Like I find myself struggling to even comprehend this story anymore. The fact that they were back together after how many times he has betrayed her and treated Khloe Kardashian like absolute trash. The fact that we have found ourselves here again boggles my mind. Like I cannot remember another man behaving so implausibly selfishly in the public eye and refusing to change his ways. The public pressure on Tristan Thompson to keep it the fuck in his pants has been higher than any other male celebrity. How can he not just get it under control? It makes you want to do like the biggest psychoanalysis of him, right? Because it's like, what are you doing and why are you doing it? Another layer to this as well, just quickly, you guys might remember that we spoke on the show earlier this year about cheating rumours that surfaced again with Tristan Thompson in April from a woman called Sydney Chase. She said she was sleeping with him over the new year. So did he ever stop cheating on Khloe Kardashian? And if Sydney Chase is to be believed, which I feel like Sydney Chase probably is to be believed, mm. he was not just cheating with 
Mara Lee, who's cheating with her. And then who else is there that just isn't speaking to the media? <sighs> My third story, Married at First Sight's Martha and Michael announce their engagement. That is from Nine Entertainment. This is a lovely story. I was happy when I saw this. Same. In case you missed it, after meeting on the 2019 season of Married at First Sight, Martha Califatidis and Michael Brunelli are officially engaged. Yeah, Martha has quickly become one of Australia's biggest and most powerful influencers, I would say. She has more than 600,000 Instagram followers, but it's her engagement, which we continually talk about being the main not metric. not the ring one. Not the <laughs> ring one, the actual social engagement that makes Martha probably one of our biggest influencer exports. This engagement post was liked more than 180,000 times. Yeah, that's oh. huge. They captioned it Mrs. B. Now, the ring is different to what I've seen before, I mm. think, or even at the moment. It's sort of like a landscape-oriented rectangle diamond. And I feel like given we know the influence that Martha has over Australian people and particularly women – May we see a new ring trend? I think we probably will. My fourth story, Chris Noth weighs in on sad and uncomfortable Sex and the City feud. That is from news.com.au. All right. The Sex and the City revival is here today, Michelle. Mm. And just like that is premiering, as we said, as we speak. Is it as we speak? I don't know exactly what time it drops today. It's probably like 6pm, not 5am when yeah. this episode drops. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, it's missing one key character, as we've said already on this show, Samantha. Samantha will not be there. Now, there is a heap of backstory as to why Samantha will not be on the Sex and the City revival Essentially, to give you a very brief synopsis, there is a long-running feud between Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall. Kim plays Samantha. And if you want that entire story, well, you'll have to listen to Monday's episode of Scandal because Zara, we couldn't help but do two episodes on it. Well, it felt like the perfect time, right? And just like that is dropping today, as we said. So why not go through the whole backstory of Sex in the City on Monday? But for now, here is what Chris Noth, also known as Mr. Big, had to say about the drama and had to say about Kim Cattrall not being on the show. Speaking to The Guardian, Chris Noth said he feels very protective of Sarah Jessica Parker, with whom he's acted on and off for for 20 years. I have to tell you, I have absolutely no idea what Cattrall is thinking or her emotions. I do know that I'm very close with Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall's descriptions of her don't even come close. I liked her, he said of Cattrall. I thought she was marvellous in the show and some people move on for their own reasons. I don't know what hers were. He went on, I just wish the whole thing had never happened because it was sad and uncomfortable. I just don't like to see anyone talking down about Sarah Jessica because she's a target and people can be nasty. I feel very protective of Sarah Jessica and I was not happy about that. That is all I will say about it. It's really interesting. I'll yeah. never get enough of this story, I don't think, because it's like Kim Cattrall that says one thing about her experience on that show and everybody else says something different. Yeah. And it's like, what is the truth here and where does it sit between all of you? Yeah, absolutely. Do listen to that Scandal episode on Monday if you are curious. But also, like, I want to know, and we'll find this out by watching it over the coming weeks, do they kill Samantha off? How do they just get rid of Samantha? I'm guessing they won't kill her off because that will be too pointed. 
No, I also think it's too definite for them. I still think that the producers in the show are holding out hope that one day this will be a final reunion between all of them and if they kill her off, they can't do that. Mm, My fifth and final story for today's Quick and Dirty, Gwyneth Paltrow continues to be blissfully unaware about everything Marvel. That is from Huffington Post. Annabelle, I have a hunch you might love or hate this story. I don't know which one. Blissfully unaware about Marvel, just like the two of you. That's why we picked it. In fact, I actually think Gwyneth Paltrow is more blissfully unaware than we are. Just wait. So... Some context, Gwyneth Paltrow has appeared in seven Marvel movies. She was doing a Q&A on Instagram this week and someone asked her, have you watched the Hawkeye series? Now, for those who aren't across it, Michelle, you must be one of them. I am across it. It's a new Marvel <laughs> series on Disney+. Plus. Paltrow just responded, no, what is that? <laughs> and it's like you didn't even need to answer the question. She's just so blissfully unaware about the whole franchise. I thought this story was funny enough to run just like that. <laughs> Turns out we were just scratching the surface. <laughs> well, Gwyneth Paltrow apparently doesn't remember anything. When you look into it, Gwyneth Paltrow has a habit of repeatedly forgetting the co-stars that she has worked alongside for months and months at a time. She has repeatedly been introduced to her Captain America and Avengers co-star Sebastian Stan multiple times and yet never remembers him. He's even blasted her on Instagram about it. In 2019, he posted a photo with her and a group of others to his feed and wrote, glad I got to reintroduce myself to Gwyneth Paltrow for the third time. We are in the same (laughs) film. to say I mean Sebastian Stan is obviously best known for playing Carter Brayden in Gossip Girl (laughs) rather than his Marvel role so maybe if he said that instead so it's not just that though a video taken during the Avengers Affinity War premiere the same year you can hear Gwyneth Paltrow in the background turning to Chris Pratt saying who is that about Sebastian Stan the same person that she worked in a movie with now not only that it literally doesn't end she's also struggled to remember another co-star in Tom Holland and referred to him as and I quote that other guy in one of her photos with Robert Downey Jr. So she also recently just learned that she starred in Spider-Man. So she was doing an interview with Jon Favreau, a massive director and actor in the industry. When talking about the movie, she said this. We were actually doing it when we were filming Spider-Man. That was the first time we just brought a film crew with us down to Atlanta and we cooked at the Optimist Spider-Man. and we had a dinner. Well, yeah, we were in Spider-Man together. Remember we were on Spider-Man? We weren't in Spider-Man. Yes, we we were. Homecoming. You were in Spider-Man. No. Yeah. I was in Avengers. No, you were in Spider-Man also. It's become... Remember Spider-Man at the end and and Tom Holland's there and you're going to walk out and do a press conference? I give you the ring? yes. That was Spider-Man. That was (laughs) Spider-Man? Oh, my God. What is going on? What is going on, Gwyneth? What do you mean you don't remember a movie that you started? How is that? How is that possible? Is it vagueness or is it arrogance? I, I think majority of this is big pixie energy. She's a pixie. She doesn't remember a lot. She's too busy with her goop and all that type of gem kind of stuff. 
Maybe she just doesn't have room in her brain for all these people she's met and movies she's been on. Not to be a downer about it, but I do think there's some level of arrogance that allows you to be that vague where you don't need to remember fucking Tom Holland. An arrogant pixie. (laughs) Anyway, there's also one more story that I adore about this. In a 2019 interview, a Marvel producer told this story of how Gwyneth Paltrow was really confused when she saw Samuel L. Jackson at a 2018 (laughs) gathering for the Marvel cast's photo photo shoot for the 10th anniversary of Marvel Studio Films. Now, this producer said, (laughs) Gwyneth was asking why Sam Jackson was there and the other (laughs) actors were jumping in saying, what are you talking about? He's Nick Fury. You've been in movies with him. It was really something special. My favourite little tidbit is that in the original Q&A that we were talking about at the top of this quick and dirty story, Zara, about the Hawkeye series, Gwyneth also answered someone's question asking if she had listened to Taylor Swift's new Red re-release, to which she responded, yes, do you think I live under a rock? (laughs) Yes, certainly we do. (laughs) We absolutely think that you reside under a rock. Anyway, is that all you've got for me? That's all I've got. Thank you, next bitch. Are they or aren't they? That is the question everyone is asking about Travis Scott and Kylie Jenner after a profile they took part in with W Magazine that was binned in the wake of the Astroworld tragedy was leaked this week. So why exactly is everyone so confused? Well, in the piece, the journalist wrote that Kylie and Travis were actually just friends, not a couple, and that it's been like that for two years, which all would be fine, except for the fact that now the family are coming out and saying, of course they are dead and things have never been better. So who is telling the truth here? And how did this story even get muddied in the first place? Mish, let's start with why the profile was binned and go from there. So it turns out that in the wake of Astroworld, this W Magazine cover that was literally about to hit stores had to be pulled. I mean, the cover itself was pretty beautiful, we now know. There's like a multi-page spread of Kylie, Travis and their daughter Stormy kind of posing in almost like this 70s setup. Has a very 70s vibe about it to me anyway. It's an incredible shoot, even though it couldn't go ahead for obvious reasons. It's beautiful. So somehow a TikToker has gotten her hands on a copy of the magazine and is now dishing all of the major revelations in her TikTok videos. We knew that the W Magazine spread had been cancelled at the last minute. We've known that for a couple of weeks. That broke on November 16 in page six when they published an article that read, W editors have cleared any planned coverage of Travis and Kylie from their website, but the magazine was already printed and now they are trying to stop the delivery trucks. They went on, in light of what happened at Astroworld, the interview and cover lines seem inappropriate. So W Magazine was literally chasing these magazines that were about to be driven around the country to get them all back into the warehouse and to destroy them. Yeah, exactly. And it's a fair enough call. I think they absolutely made the right call. But I think what has happened here is some have slipped through the cracks. Some people have still received them and now those copies are now being leaked. The title of their interview with W Magazine was A Modern Approach and it was supposed to give audiences insight into what Kylie and Travis's dynamic is like and it alluded to how together they have, and this is a quote, created their own definition of family. I think most notable, Mish, was this line. Travis and Kylie seemed very comfortable underneath the sheets, but even though they will soon have two children together, they are not a couple and haven't been in two years. Yeah, this was treated as 
fact. Other comments on the relationship included, and I quote, they are a real example of a family operating on their own terms. So if this magazine went out as it was designed, written, everything intended to be in the hands of the public, we would have all read that Kylie and Travis are not a couple. They are friends having a second baby together. The comfortable in the sheets line implies that they're probably, what, friends with benefits, friends who have sex with each other. That's kind of how I read it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't even read like an open relationship. This says, no, they're just friends who sleep together. However, now, now that Astroworld's happened, the magazine didn't go out into the world, the Kardashians are certainly trying to rewrite that narrative. Yeah, exactly. So TMZ came out swinging straight away, saying, Kylie Jenner and Travis Scott are together, very much a couple despite W Magazine's story. Now, they quoted sources with direct knowledge, saying the two are 100% together at the moment. I think it's fair to say that's come straight from the family. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been interesting because TMZ, seems to, in my estimation anyway, have a bit of a relationship with the Kardashians at the moment. We know that when the Kardashians were with E! doing Keeping Up, they had that kind of relationship with the E! network that they would feed them stories and kind of set the record straight with that mouthpiece through E! This has changed now that they're no longer with E! I actually think maybe they've struck up an arrangement with TMZ. This might border on a conspiracy theory, but I just found it interesting the way that TMZ piece was written, emphatically calling out W Magazine for getting it wrong multiple times, emphatically calling out the editors for publishing mistruths. It gives me the impression that TMZ is intentionally trying to give the Kardashians positive press. I mean, in the last two weeks, they've published two articles. One was about Kim Kardashian's charity work. The other was about Kanye West's charity work. Kim is apparently helping an Afghan women's soccer team. Kanye is helping homelessness in youths. And I don't know, something's just a bit up with TMZ's coverage of the Kardashians to me. I kind of think that they'd go in waves with various different publications to be like, you run these two stories and we'll give you other quotes when you need them, Mm. like with direct knowledge. This is definitely coming from their camp and I think they would have done this their entire careers. TMZ had this line which I found really interesting. The way W chronicles their relationship is pure speculation per our sources and you can tell as much because neither Kylie or Travis is ever quoted directly about defining it or framing it. The writer just states it as fact which is incorrect. I just do not think a W Magazine journalist is making up a story for the shit of it. Like W Magazine is an incredibly reputable magazine. The journalists working there are almost always subject to fact-checking and like rigorous processes to make sure that they're doing their job Mm. properly. Like I think the issue is when people think of media, they kind of lump all of the media together. But TMZ exists in one pile with anonymous sources and W Magazine exists in a totally other realm where they are held to standards. And there's just no way a journal is going to make this up. No, they were also trusted if people remember back, if they've listened to the Scandal episode even, they were trusted with that first massive spread of Brad and Angelina in the mid-noughties. They are renowned for breaking and defining these kind of celebrity relationships and framing them in a certain way. 
Kylie and Travis picked them for a reason. They went to W Magazine for a reason. They also would have had some kind of approval. If this was printed in a magazine, they would have had some kind of idea what was being written about and they would have known that W Magazine was framing their relationship as a friendship. Yeah, I think it's why they wanted to do the shoot in the first place with Stormy. Like it was centred around their family and the narrative around the family. And it's not just the TMZ article. Chloe Kardashian also commented on a TikTok about this saying, wow, I don't know why this magazine would write this, but they are very much a couple. I feel like this week I've just been sitting there being like, what are they trying to tell me here? Like, Mm. I feel like with a lot of Kardashian stories, I sit there and I'm like, okay, what are they trying to make me think and feel? But with this, I'm very, very confused because I'm like, you wanted to tell us one thing for a time after Astroworld. Now you want to tell us something completely different. Does it have to do with Travis Scott's image and them wanting to paint him now as a stable family man that people understand rather than a guy that's part of this more edgy dynamic that perhaps we don't understand? Yeah, I think it's probably exactly that. In my mind, before Astroworld, Travis Scott repeatedly leaned into the grittier, edgier kind of public persona or characterization of himself. So did Kylie Jenner. I mean, she's what, world's youngest self-made billionaire. And I say that in inverted commas because, of course, that can be disputed. But she's this beauty entrepreneur. He's this rapper, musician who's living on the edge. Together they have this really modern family. That worked before Astroworld. Astroworld was this complete disaster where Travis Scott was repeatedly being called out for how he is too edgy, how he is too dangerous. And after Astroworld, it doesn't fly anymore for us to consider that he's in this really dynamic, edgy relationship. They want him to be seen as a considerate, compassionate stable like family man devoted father traditional family man I think and people listening might go but you can be a great person and not be those things absolutely agree totally agree but a PR narrative is much easier to say he's in this stable relationship he loves his family he is filled with remorse and grief and regret and that is an easier thing to do when he is in a box that we all understand. Everyone understands the stable family man. Not everyone understands the edgy, modern, open relationship or friends with benefits dynamic. Yeah, it's so interesting because I'm like the red flags for me always is when I feel like a story is being shoved down my throat and this has felt shoved down my throat both with TMZ and Khloe Kardashian commenting. I'm like they want this to be the headline and they need to know why Mm. and I feel that around a lot of Kardashian stories. So a really interesting one. I'm very intrigued about what people think about this. Yeah, I'm also intrigued. Who do you guys think leaked this? Like if you're listening and you have theories, is this a leak out of Camp Kardashian? Because I don't think they would want this out there. Is it a leak from someone at W Mag? who did all this work maybe knew the revelations that were made in the piece and wanted to kind of sneak it out into the public eye. I actually think this might be as organic as it sounds that some sort of TikToker stumbled upon one of these issues. I think it's been reported that some of the issues still did get out to Mm. people. Like they weren't able to stop every single issue. I just don't think it would be that hard for a TikToker to find an issue And do a video about it. And then the Kardashians are like, all right, we need to rewrite this narrative. That poor celebrity journalist who wrote this piece must be scratching their head going, what the fuck is oh, going on? they'd be pissed <laughs> off for yeah. sure. Guys, that is all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear more from us or see more from us, we are on TikTok, as we've said a few times, 
at shameless underscore podcast. Yeah. Otherwise, please subscribe to our newsletter. Head to our website. It is Shameless Media Co. That is shamelessmediaco.com. And you can follow the tabs and all the links to subscribe to Ask Shameless. It will drop if you're listening on Thursday, tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. We will be back in your ears on Monday for another episode of Scandal. And you know exactly what it's about. Woo. Bye. That was the most Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.